Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. And a very special guest today, Tim Bontemps, is a national NBA columnist for the Washington Post. Timmy! What's up, Verno? Hey, man. So let's start with you and the life of an NBA reporter, because what a change. The, uh, I guess, the outhouse to the penthouse, you were... For the New York Post, you're primarily covering the Brooklyn Nets, who most people expect to be correct. the worst team in the world. Then you get this gig with the Washington Post, but you don't move away from New York. And now I understand that you have moved to San Francisco? This is That is all correct. Though, though I, I was covering the Nets, uh, I covered the Nets the first three years they were in Brooklyn, so I got all the interesting years, and then I switched jobs. Uh, so I got I got out of there at the right time, and then uh, yeah, this this year obviously with Kevin Durant going to the Warriors, um, you know if you if you cover the NBA and you can be around the Warriors, um, but you know that's that's the thing to do. So I talked to my bosses this summer and decided to, to move out here for the season, and so I got out here right before the start of training camp, and yeah, I'm gonna be uh, gonna be out here, which should. Uh, should be should make for a very interesting season for me. All right, you mentioned about being there for the interesting time of the Nets. Let me ask you about that first. So you got the beginning of Prokhorov, you had the Garnett Pierce stuff, you had all the craziness with Jason Kidd. Like when you think about covering that Brooklyn team when they first moved to Brooklyn and all that stuff, the Prokhorov stuff, the Kidd stuff, and whatever else. Like what 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 are your overwhelming feelings about that time and covering that particular franchise? Uh, honestly, it's just that it's hard to understate how crazy everything was I mean you know I'm really fortunate to have this job I think I have you know the best job in the country covering basketball now and the reason I have this job is because I covered the Brooklyn Nets like if I covered some you know generic team x y or z whether it's you know you're in Memphis the Memphis Grizzlies or the Milwaukee Bucks or the Charlotte Hornets I mean if I just covered some kind of regular run-of-the-mill team I I wouldn't have this job but I I covered a team with a Russian oligarch for an owner that made this giant crazy trade for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, traded 87 draft picks and spent $200 million on a team and hired Jason Kidd immediately after playing and then had him try to pull a coup to take over the basketball operation of the franchise and then bolt to Milwaukee when he couldn't get it. Um, you know, and that was just all in the first, you know, 24 months I was on the job. So, you know, it really was just kind of a nonstop roller coaster ride where, you know, every day there was something else happening. And, you know, it, it made for a lot of interesting coffee. And, you know, it really, you know, it, 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 as you were going through it, you kind of didn't realize just how crazy it was. But looking back on it now, it's just, it's just kind of hard to believe everything that's happened to that franchise in the last three or four years. If you think I'm going to let the whole – Milwaukee Bucks, Memphis Grizzlies analogy flight. You are out of your mind. What? The only reason I've the only reason I met Bill Simmons because the Grizzlies made it to the West Finals. Tim, how dare you put the Grizzlies? <laughs> how dare you put the what Grizzlies I, in the hey, same sentence? Hey, fuck. As a, as, well, listen, the Grizzlies have had their fair share of craziness too. But I, I don't. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that basically every team in the league outside of maybe the Clippers hasn't been as insane as the Nets. That, so I think that's, that's, that's really all it was going at. All right, so you end up moving out to California, and you're going to live out. Th- which is more expensive, by the way? Is your place in California more expensive than your place in New York? Uh, it, it a little bit. I mean, it's basically the same. 
Basically, I moved to the only place that's as expensive as New York in the country. <laughs> that was that was that was bad planning. <laughs> <laughs> so you saved literally no money in this transfer. Literally no money. Literally no money. Didn't spend more money, but I didn't didn't uh, didn't save any either. Well, I, I think it's interesting that it's a break-even proposition. All right, so now you've been around the Warriors. Last year they had this historic season. Then, of course, they blow the 3-1 lead in the finals. Your first impressions after like now being around them, going through their uh, – watching their training camp, their first couple preseason games, just what it's like being around the Warriors on a daily basis? Bruno, it's it's what I expected, honestly. I mean, this team, if this team doesn't have any injuries, they're going to win the championship. I mean, it's just, there's just, they have too much firepower for other teams to stop. I mean, I know it was only a preseason game, but that that, that first home game at Oracle against the Clippers last week when uh, they were up when the starters left the game halfway through the third quarter, 89 to 38, uh, it, you know, it was just kind of, it was emblematic of what this team is capable of if they're firing on all cylinders. I mean, you know, last year when you had Steph and Clay coming down on the break, you know, if you had a decent defense, you could usually track them and, and kind of keep track of what was going on and not let them get off too many wide open shots. When you have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant running down the court on a fast break, like every time that's happened to the first three preseason games, the Warriors have gotten a wide open three. They haven't made every single one, but I mean – this team, especially in transition, is just going to be as unguardable as maybe any team in the history of the league. And, you know, they, they just have so much firepower that I really think unless they have, you know, significant injury issues as the year goes on, I just can't see anybody beating them. I really can't. Within that organization, both players and management, coaches, et cetera, do you think last year is considered a disappointment? Well, I mean, yes, I, I think so. I mean, those guys were were so devastated back in June. I mean, I covered the playoffs last year. I covered the West Finals. I covered the finals. And being in the being an Oracle for Game 7 and seeing, you know, talking to some of the coaches after the game, seeing the players after the game, like those guys were really devastated to not finish off that 73-win season. Um, you know, Joe Lacob was at this luncheon yesterday and, gave an interview to me and a couple other guys. And, you know, he, he put a positive spin on things saying how, you know, how proud he was of them winning 73 games and how that may never happen again. And, you know, they had a lot to be proud of, even though they didn't win it. But I think if you go ask any of the players or coaches on the team, especially, you know, those guys are going to live with never quite being able to finish off that season, probably for the rest of their lives. I mean, that they, they had, a, if they won that, if they won that, that NBA finals and beat the Cavs, that's the greatest team of all time. You know, it's better than the 96 Bulls. And, I, you know, I think the fact that those guys were that close to having that in their hands and let it slip through, you know, I, 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 think, you'd, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find any of them say it wasn't a disappointment given how close they were to achieving that. You did post this interview with Lakeup, which I'm going to get into. But first, I want to ask you about just him. I only know him, and I think a lot of NBA fans from afar just know him from his quotes, which some have been goofy. Obviously, he got mocked a lot for the whole light years ahead of everybody, whatever. Um, right. Now that you've been around him, I mean, you did this interview with him. What's he like? What, what, what are your impressions of Lakeup? You know, yesterday was the first time I'd really had a chance to have an extended talk with him mm -hmm. and he's an interesting guy um you know he 
he's spent his career in venture capital. So, you know, he's a guy that, you know, is willing to take risks and take chances on stuff. And I think you've seen that, you know, with the Warriors. They didn't, you know, the Warriors didn't trade Clay Tops for Kevin Love, which at the time many people, including me, thought they should do. That certainly has worked out for them. Um, you know, going after Kevin Durant, obviously getting Durant is, you know, a, a great thing. But that this was a team that won 73 games. It would have been easy to argue that they, they should have just rolled it back and not risked any any chemistry issues going and getting another star to add to the mix. But, um, you know, I agree. I think he certainly, you know, the light years ahead comment and some of the other things he said have, have certainly uh, – led him to be portrayed a certain way in the media. And I think the fact that the Warriors are just really good anyway has led to that. But um, he's, a, he's a pretty interesting guy. I mean, he, he, might not be, he might not be quite as interesting as the last owner I was around a lot and, and Mikhail Prokhorov, who's a you know, Russian oligarch. But, uh, but he, he's an interesting guy. And, and, uh, and I think a little different guys you probably would expect than, than the one we see just in the, the quotes here and there. I don't know what your background in psychology is, but I'm going to ask you a open-ended question. You answer it however you want to. Why is Kevin, <laughs> okay. why, why is Kevin Durant on the Warriors? Well, I thought about this a lot, and I think I really think it just came down to he looked at the Warriors and said, this would be really fun. And it's kind of hard to blame him from my perspective. I mean, look. He obviously was on a fantastic team. If he'd stayed in Oklahoma City, I frankly would have picked them to win the championship this year. I, 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 left, the, I left the finals last year thinking, I'm, I think Oklahoma City's going to win the title next year if Kevin stays. At that point, I thought he was going to. But you look at this Warriors team, and you know it's kind of hard for me to blame the guy for coming here. Like, all right, I can go play with three guys that I'm already friendly with, um, if you had Andre Vidal four, um, this team just won 73 games. They have to lose a couple guys to bring me in, but they still get to keep all their core pieces. They live in a cool area. They've got a great coach that everybody likes. Um, I, I can basically make just about the same amount of money here this year as there as staying in Oklahoma city. Um, so you just, if you just go down the list of reasons why you would choose the warriors, like I, I can see, I can see why he would do it. I think, you know, if, if, if he'd had to come here and the Warriors had to tear the team apart, I, I don't think he would have come here. But I think the fact that they could basically keep the team with the way it was, he can come play on this team that's going to be great and play a fun style of ball and probably win multiple championships. I mean, you know, I, I, I can see why people are mad at him that he left the Thunder, obviously, and I, and I can understand why – People in Oklahoma City would go, how could you leave this team that was on the, the cusp of winning to go to the team that just beat you? But, you know, I think if you just step back and look at it, it's just going to be so much fun to play on this team that, you know, I think a lot of people, if they were faced with the same choice, probably would make the same one he did. Is he the man there? Well, that has kind of been the fascinating thing so far in the preseason. There's been a lot... You know, there's been a lot of people through the first couple of weeks who, you know, after every preseason game or even after every practice, there's been, you know, reading in, the, in between the lines on things that happen on the court or things that are said and, you know, kind of really trying to freak out about everything that happens. But one thing that, that people have really gotten wound up about here is that, you know, so far, Steph Curry's really taken a backseat. Um, 
Clay Thompson is going to shoot the ball every time he touches it. That's not changing no matter who's on the court. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> which is, I mean, you laugh, but it's 100% true. I mean, I've laughed at people saying Clay is going to have to take a back seat. All Clay has to do is catch the ball and then shoot it. He's going to get just as many shots up as he did before. But, I, I but Kevin Durant quote, has been. Didn't he have that quote, I'm not sacrificing shit? Wasn't that yeah, what it was? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. That was him. And and, and he's not because all Clay does is catch and shoot. So it doesn't take very long to have the ball to catch and shoot. Um, so he, he's going to keep doing that. But uh, but Kevin Durant has been kind of the, the guy so far through these first couple games. And Steph, like, I, don't, I haven't looked exactly what Steph's numbers are in the last couple of days, but I think he scored like, 15, 18, and 10, maybe, something like that. I mean, he hasn't had a crazy game yet. Clay's had 30 in a game. Durant had, like, 25, I think, in a couple games. Um, you know, and Steph's just kind of, you know, been distributing the ball, getting a few assists. Um, you know, and that's led some people to go, oh, is Steph, you know, Steph taking a backseat to Kevin? Is is he, you know, is he just handing the team over? I, I don't really think that's going to happen. I mean, maybe if that's still the case in December, I will, you know, I'll, I'll say, all right, maybe he's really taking a backseat to Durant. But I, I just think that, you know, he's doing a pretty smart thing right now and, and allowing Durant to get comfortable and, you know, have a few get the ball a lot and get used to playing with these guys. And then when the regular season starts, you know, Steph will be back to doing Steph Curry things. But, but that is something, you know, is Durant taking over the team you know, that is something that people here are already monitoring. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, if Steph does somehow just let Durant be the guy and, you know, to take a complete step back, I almost think that'd be more impressive than winning back-to-back champ- or back-to-back championships, back-to-back MVP awards, because you look at how long Steph Curry has fought to be, be validated by, you know, his peers around the league as a truly elite star and, you know, if Durant just comes in here and takes over the team, that's going to invalidate in the minds and eyes of a lot of people everything he's done the last couple of years. And I think if he's cool with that, because it'll make the Warriors a better team, that'd be a pretty awfully impressive thing. Because I, I don't know, I don't know how many other people would would allow that to happen. Forget if they could win more games. I mean, winning winning more games would be virtually impossible than what they won right. last year. But is there right. any chance they're not better than they were last year? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I think there's a chance. Uh, it would it, If you're going to say that, it's going to come down to a couple things, right? I mean, injuries obviously are a possibility, but let's set aside that. Just with the team they have, uh, if Zaza Pachulia isn't very good as a starting center, um, Andrew Bogut has been maligned a little bit. He's still a great defensive center. He's an outstanding passer. He, he, he's a great screener. He's a, he was a perfect fit for, you know, this kind of fast-paced offense they had. Not that he was getting out on the break, but when they got in the half court, you could give Bogut the ball. You could run screens off him in the high post. You could do a lot of stuff with him. Um, so if, if Pachulia can't really play anywhere near the level Bogut was at, that could hurt them a lot. Um, if David West, I think David West is 38 or 37. I mean, if David West falls off a cliff, that could that could hurt them quite a bit because really they only have those two guys as legitimate centers in terms of guys you would trust to play in a playoff game. Um, so if they're not if they're not really getting the job done, and you go from Andrew Bogan and Festus Azili 
to those two guys, you know, that if they don't play at the level they were, that at the level they people expect them to, that could hurt them a lot. Um, you know, and it's kind of the same thing with guys like Andre Goodall and Sean Livingston off the bench. I mean, it's really that if, if their supporting cast takes a step back as it gets a year older, because I think all those guys are in their early th- or in their, somewhere in their 30s. So, you know, if Iguodala can't keep up at the level he's been the last couple of years, if he, if he has back trouble again, or if Livingston drops off, or if Pachulia and West really drop off, then, then maybe the Warriors could be in trouble because then you get in a situation like the one they, that the Miami Heat were in when LeBron first got to Miami, when they had the big three, but then they had Eric Dampier and I think Jamal McGuire and Jerry Stackhouse at the end of his career and Mike Bibby. They just had all these guys that couldn't really play. And, you know, if, if that all happens to the Warriors' secondary guys, then maybe they are a little worse than last year. But yeah, at least as of now, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And, you know, it would, it, would only, it would take, I think, something like that for that to be the case. Everybody in the free world is going to have them winning the Western Conference. What will be interesting to see is I bet the predictions are all over the board on who they play in the West Finals. Tim Bontemps thinks who is the second-best team in the West. Well, that is really the great question, Berno. I mean, I, I think it's the Spurs still, um, but, I, you know, you could make a case for them. You could make a case for the Clippers. There are people who are going to make a case for Utah. I am not one of them. Um, you know, you could you could go you could probably even try to make a case. You know, if, if a team like the one in your city, the Memphis Grizzlies, is healthy, you know, they their starting five is is talented enough to make a run in the playoffs. I have serious concerns about Memphis's depth, but um, you know, unlike in past years, you know, it really is kind of a giant morass after that top spot where. You know, even a team like Houston. I mean, I, I don't, I haven't been all that high on Houston, but I've watched them in a couple of preseason games, and they might average 125 points a game. Um, they might give up 124, but they're going to score a ton. So, I like, like I said before, I think it's the Spurs. I think getting Pau Gasol is going to allow them to win a ton of games again this year, and I think kind of by default they might up in the West Finals because I, I'm not sold on the Clippers, but. You know, it, it also wouldn't shock me if some surprise team wound up there because I don't think there's anybody else that really stands out as a, you know, as a surefire contender, you know, besides the, the Warriors in the West. There has been some good news that has come out, some positive reports about a deal that could be done with the NBA and the Players Union. We're going to get to that in a second. First, I'm going to tell you about Sling TV. It's finally basketball season, and where are you watching games? At an old sports bar? Are you crammed onto your friend's couch? You can do better with Sling TV. Watch NBA games on your terms and your turf. The Sling Orange service has hoops on ESPN and TNT. Plus, live TV on top networks for only 20 bucks a month. No long-term contracts, no hidden fees. You can start watching for seven days free at sling.com backslash ringer NBA. Sling.com backslash ringer NBA. Restrictions apply. We are also brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. I've been using them for a while now, and the shave is fantastic. What you probably don't know is 
is that I've been using other amazing products they have too, and the quality is the best on the market. Dollar Shave Club's got stuff for your hair, your face, your underparts, for everywhere you want to keep feeling and looking fresh. And trust me, once you're in the club, you'll see they've got the best grooming products on the market, and they're affordable. Right now is your chance to see for yourself why so many of us love Dollar Shave Club. If you're not a member yet and you've never joined, now's the time. You'll get your first month razors for free. You just pay the shipping. After that, it's only a few bucks. Join today. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash NBA show. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash NBA show. All right, Tim, so you recently wrote about Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts and these reports that have come out, positive reports, that a deal could be worked out between the league and the players' union. Uh, In reading your column in the Washington Post, it was basically there is so much money going on right now. The owners don't really have the opportunity to cry poor. The players certainly don't have the opportunity to cry poor. So, yeah, it's cool that we're seeing these positive reports, but they better – just go ahead. They've got to prove it that this can just work out and everybody can be happy. Yeah, I mean, Bruno, look, you and I have been around the league for a while now. And look, the bottom line is the NBA is in the best position it's ever been in. The league is as popular as it's ever been. There's more money in the league than it's ever been. And you look, you know, Joe Lacob was making this point yesterday. It's funny. If I if I'd had you know, if I'd written the column a day later, I would have had a whole bunch of Joe Lacob quotes in it basically saying exactly what I did, where, you know, you, you look at baseball, right? The fans in baseball are in their 50s, largely. And that's a sport that is trending in the wrong direction with young people. The NFL's got concussion problems. You know, sports like hockey and soccer are more niche sports that haven't really risen to the same level as the other three. Basketball is on the ascent in virtually every category. And you look around, and it, to me, it would be catastrophic for the NBA to, to risk any, any potential work stoppage when the players are making way more money, the owners are making way more money, and there's more interest in the game than there's ever been before. I mean, they just, they just have to find a way to get this deal done and, and make sure that they have labor peace because that'll just allow this momentum to keep carrying the game forward, and that's going to work out well for everybody. All right, I'm going to throw an odd uh, odd deal at you. Okay, so Adam Silver will clearly get all kinds of credit, right? If they can just work this out, never have a stoppage, him and Michelle, both them, because there was always that strife sure. between there was always the strife between David Stern and and, and Billy Hunter. But if these if sure. these two that are both now uh, new respective leaders. Of, uh, of who they're in charge of, the Players Union on one side with Michelle Roberts and the league with Adam Silver, they'll both get a tremendous amount of credit for avoiding it completely. But should, in retrospect, because of the prior strife and David Stern, should in a weird way, should Stern get credit because because of what they went through a couple years ago, which was troubling for everybody with having to have a stoppage, but because of that, it has put it now in the position now where everybody actually is better off. Well, I mean, I think, ironically, you can actually argue that Adam Silver gets a lot of credit for that because during the last round of negotiations, he was kind of the guy driving the bus for the league. Right. Um, you know, that was that was David, David Stern slash rodeo. Um, in terms of, you know, he basically announced his retirement right after that. And then he went on his kind of two-year retirement tour and then left. But, 
you know, Adam Silver handled a lot of the day-to-day negotiations in that last lockout and was kind of the, the bulldog for the league in, in the negotiations. So, but yeah, you're right. The, what, because the league won the last lockout, uh, the last lockout battle and got some percentage points of revenue back from the players and set up some certain things. Uh, it's, it's allowed everybody now to feel good because since that, I think when the lockout ended, the salary cap during the lockout season was 58 million. Now it's 95 million. So the players are making gobs more money just a few years later. And the owner, like there's no, there's no NBA team that's losing money now. And all the franchise valuations have skyrocketed. They probably all doubled in five years, maybe more. So, yeah, I think the, I think the way the last lockout went as pain, painful as it was to your point has certainly set up a situation now where everybody feels good and everybody can look around and say, Hey, you know what? Things are, things are going all right. And let's make sure it keeps going that way. And, you know, let's not put ourselves in a position where we potentially mess up something that's going great. Yeah, and it just they they I think they have both handled this well. Where it just has not been public and contentious, and it just always was with Billy Hunter and Stern. Like you're always reading. Yep. Right. Like and and it just has not been that yep. way. I think they've done a good job. No, those are a couple old school. Those were right. Those are a couple old school guys that did it kind of an old school way. And I think. I think you've seen in Michelle and in Adam, I think you've seen kind of an understanding that the way media works now with the 24 hour nature of things, every morsel of information that gets out there gets endlessly recycled. So the more you can kind of keep things under wraps and not, not have it be negotiated through the media, you know, the better off you can, you can be in terms of just getting stuff done behind the scenes and, and working things out. And I think, I think so far at least, you know, that that's proven to be the case and, you know, hopefully it can stay that way and a deal can get done because as a basketball fan, as you and I both are, you know, the last thing I want to see is, you know, is, is a lockout. You know, I, I just want to keep being able to watch games. I'm hopeful. I think it's going to get done, don't you? I think so. I think so, too. I've been a, I've been a lockout pessimist for years, uh, but I, I'm, I, I've gotten a lot more optimistic. Uh, you know, everybody I've talked to, including Joe Lake of yesterday, says that, things are going in the right direction and, you know, they're, they're making progress towards a deal. And look, I think, like I said before, I, I really think that everybody has looked around and said, my God, we're making so much money. It would be so dumb to risk anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think, you know, even though the TV deal came in at just this time and obviously led to some weird events this summer that wouldn't have happened normally. Um, I think the television money coming in right now is the best thing to happen to the league because it allowed everyone to see how much money everyone was making. And because of that, I think it kind of gave everyone a dose of reality that, okay, like we might have some issues, but this would be crazy to screw up because like we're getting $3 billion a year from the TV networks. Like we can't, we can't run away from that. Good. Then we both feel good about that. Now a lot of positive vibes. We're like two weeks away from the season, Tim, the team that you are higher on than most people. From what you gather, read, hear, and see the previews of the season coming up, who are you higher on than most people? Well, this is the team I've been talking up for months. It's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I'm on record saying that I think they're going to win 50 games. What? Um, yep. 50. I think, I think they're going to win 50. I think they're going to win 50 games. Here's my <laughs> argument. So, 
the Oklahoma City Thunder, when they went from twenty, they went from twenty-three wins in I think two thousand eight, two thousand nine, to fifty wins the next year, and that was in a Western Conference where eight teams won fifty games. Okay, this year Minnesota went from basically, you know, Sam Mitchell's a great guy. He wasn't a great coach. They go get they go get Tom Thibodeau, one of the five best coaches in the league. I think pretty much everybody would agree with that. Certainly. In the, in the top 10 if you don't think he's in the top five. Uh, but a terrific coach who is the perfect coach to go with that team, you know, specifically guys like Zach Levine and Andrew Wiggins who have all the athletic talent in the world but didn't really have any idea what they were doing on defense their first couple of years in the league. And you give them a guy like Thibodeau who's turned Kyle Korver and Mike Dunleavy and you know all these guys that were, were not considered good defenders into good defenders when they were with him in Chicago – and I think he could turn those guys into absolute monsters um, with, the, with the Timberwolves. They've got Carl Towns, who would think is a first-team All-NBA center this year. I um, think he's going to be just a, a phenomenal player. And, you know, they, they went out and got a lot of depth this summer. Um, their bench was terrible last year. They went and got Brandon Rush. They got Cole Aldrich. Um, you know, they've got some young guys that could take a step forward. They drafted Chris Dunn, who I think is going to be great. He was one of my. He was. I thought he was the, the. I would have maybe taken him with the second pick in the draft this year. I think he's going to be a terrific player. So I, I really All right, like I'm with him you a lot. Dunn. I'm reason, with you on Dunn. I'm with you on Dunn, Bontes, yeah. But like, stop it already yeah. with the. They added depth. Brandon Rush, Cole Aldridge. Like, who gives a crap? Come on. Brandon well, they Rush had a terrible Cole. bench last year. Those guys are good. Those guys are good bench players. But, okay. Okay. They're good bench players. Well, the other thing is, look, last year they were horrendous at the end of games. I mean, they, they, I think they, ha- they gave up, like, I don't know how many fourth-quarter leads, but a ton of them. So, I mean, look, they won 29 games last year. I know, it's, I know it's a bold call saying they didn't get to 50, but I think they can do it, and I definitely think that they're going to make the playoffs without question. And I, I know a lot of people have had them as a 500-ish team and, you know, a borderline playoff team, but I definitely think they're making the playoffs. That's so that's my team. 21 game improvement. All right, so there's the team you are. You're clearly much higher on them than most people are. What about Lo- <laughs> <laughs> think the freaking Timberwolves are winning the title, Bontemps? All right, what about on the other side? Who is uh who are you lower on than most people? Well, I got two teams for this. Uh one I've been very public about, which is which is the Knicks. Um I think the Knicks are going to be terrible. No. I I listen to your podcast with I listened to your podcast with Kevin O'Connor the other day, and I, I, I couldn't really disagree more with, with your take on them. I, <laughs> I, they, 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 unlike, unlike the Timberwolves, uh, they have no depth. Uh, they, they, have, you know, they have basically their starting five and then Brandon Jennings, and that, that's really it. I mean, they're, they're, they're best, their best backup big guy is Kylo Quinn. Wait, hold on. That, I think their fourth backup – I'm not going to tolerate what? this. I'm not going to tolerate this Willie Hernan Gomez slander. Why are Why are we acting like he doesn't exist? <laughs> why are we acting like Willie Hernan Gomez doesn't exist? I think he. I legitimately think he's going to be a good backup center in the league, but he's not going to be this year. I don't think. I mean, look. They They said yesterday that uh, Jeff Hornis said yesterday their backup center might be Marshall Plumley. Well, he's, hey, he's in a position battle. With Kyle O'Quinn and William Hernan Gomez. Okay, that, that's their. 
Hey, all right, I like Warnasek. I like the starting lineup. But here's the thing: you cannot, <laughs> you can't, you can't do this. You can't say, "Hey, unlike the Timberwolves, who I just explained have this crazy depth with Brandon Rush and Cole Aldridge, the Knicks don't have." Cole like, Aldridge is twice as good as all three of those guys. What? Fair enough. What? Twice as good. Where? Where? Like I... Twenty-four PER last year with the Clippers. Oh my God. He was he was really good for the Clippers. A twenty-four per. This guy. Listen, man. Cold you can, cold. you can, you can go crazy all you want. Look, doesn't even matter. Derrick Rose was one of the worst players in the league last year. I don't see any reason <laughs> that he's going to get much better, specifically in a triangle offense where he can't shoot. Joking, no. Also, can't shoot. He was horrendous Stop last it. year. Stop it! Stop! One of the worst players okay. in the league. Shut up. Derrick Rose is not he one of the terrible worst players. Last year. Derrick Rose was he not was one terrible. Of the... <laughs> that is so. He was. He was. You. You know what? I feel okay. like we need to. This is. This is so New York of you. We need to be sitting out uh, instead of doing this podcast. We need, like this, I feel like I'm having a conversation with a guy eating like this extremely buttery bagel on the street in New York, who's telling me that. Listen, Derrick Rose is one of the worst players. If, I, in if the we world. were in New York, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be saying the Knicks are going to win 55 games in the title, like everyone in New York is doing. <laughs> like I, this, 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 this team is not going to be good. Yeah. Derrick Rose has been bad and injured ever since he unfortunately blew his knee out the first time in 2012. Joakim Noah, if the, the Knicks are getting Joakim Noah from three years ago, I feel great. Joakim Noah is on one leg, basically, at this point, and had massive shoulder surgery last year and couldn't shoot before that. Carmelo Anthony looked a step slow in the Olympics. I mean, I love Chris Esporzenkis. I think he's going to be a star in the league for a long time. But the Knicks went out and signed all these guys to fit in a win-now time frame when you know the guy that should be built around is 20. So I just thought they had a terrible summer, and I I don't think they're going to be very good. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to win 35-ish games. They're going to be bad. And the other team I'm worried about for similar reasons is the team in your town, Memphis Grizzlies, because oh, they – well, I, I understand totally why they signed Chandler Parsons, and I was hey, Tim, happy that uh, Mike Conley stayed. They're telling me we're <laughs> out of time. Tim, I'm sorry. They're telling me we're out of time here. <laughs> Listen, listen, I, I, I'm just very concerned about their depth and their overall team because if that starting five is healthy, if Marcus Gasol is healthy, if Mike Conley is healthy, if Chandler Parsons is healthy, that team could be really good, really good. But, like, I'm really worried about Parsons health-wise. Marcus Gasol had maybe the worst injury a big man can have. Um, so I'm concerned about him health wise. Like, there's just they have so many health issues that, uh, like, I think Memphis could be really good. But to me, they have as wide a range as any team in the whole league. Because if they have a couple injuries in certain spots, they could be really bad. And if they manage to keep everybody healthy, they could be, you know, I think close to a 50 win team. So. It's just, I just think there's a lot of volatility with them. I think it's totally fair. I can't speak to Parsons. You know, I mean, he has not been like full contact five on five yet. I can only tell you, I mean, I see these guys every day. Uh, Conley and Gasol both look awesome. Both of them. They, both of them, you would never know that they gotten injured. And so my fingers are crossed. Because if they're both healthy, right. if they're both healthy, you're going to be good. End of story. 
you know, and probably, and probably the Parsons thing would be bad though. Like, I mean, you got to remember that was supposed to be like a six week recovery six months ago. Right. So like, that's not a great sign that that guy still can't practice fully, you know? And I mean, he, he basically spent all last year on the shelf, um, you know, but, but if he is healthy, I mean, you know this better than anybody. He's the exact guy they've been looking for for basically five years. So if he can play, he'll be a perfect fit for them. But, you know, and, and I hope that, that Mike and, and Mark are, are good all year because, I mean, you know, I love being at the big games in Memphis. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic environment, and that's a fun team. Tony Allen and Zach Randolph are two of the more fun personalities in the league. Um, it's just, it's just been a, it's been a really fun team to follow. So I, I'm certainly, I'm certainly pulling for them to be, to be healthy. But, you know, like I said before, I just, they, they have so much volatility with their good and bad. Like to me, the Knicks just don't have much upside. Memphis has a lot of upside, but just the same amount of downside. So we'll see what happens. All right. Last question. We've got like a million new coaches in the league. You've already expressed your undying love for Tom Thibodeau. But let me ask you about things. So I'm going to list them off, and you just tell me who you think, outside of Thibodeau, since you already, you know, acted like he's a red back and you know, reincarnate who is going to have a right. one-game improvement. All right, Scott Brooks Wizards, Kenny Atkinson Nets, David Fisdale Grizzlies, Frank Vogel Magic, Nate McMillan Pacers, Luke Walton is the Lakers, Hornacek is the Knicks. Uh, we already mentioned Thibodeau, who you – are in love with uh dave yeager kings <laughs> mike tantoni rockets earl watson sons outside of thibodeau who has a lot of success i mean it's kind of a tough question to answer because honestly i really like pretty much all the hires made this summer um I, you know i didn't really understand anything orlando did at all but i thought getting frank vogel made a ton of sense um he had a Great run with the Pacers, and uh, I, I think you know if any you know if anybody's going to figure out how to make that team work, I think Frank will. Um, I like the Hornacek hire for the Knicks. I'm concerned that he's not really going to get to run the team. Um, they still have Kurt Rambis bizarrely on his staff. They're still running the triangle, which is not anything he ever did before. So. I mean, I, you know, I, I just don't know how that's going to go, but I also don't know if that's Jeff's fault. Um, I like the Scott Brooks hire for the Wizards. Um, they needed uh, they needed to establish some continuity there, and I, I think Scott's personality is a good fit for that team. Kind of a positive, upbeat guy. I, I think I think they needed that. I really love David Fisdale getting hired by the Grizzlies. Um, you know, he has a proven track record in Miami of working with guys. Players love him. He's one of the most well-liked guys in the league. Um, I, I thought that was a good hire. Um, trying to think. I, 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 was, I was a little unsure about D'Antoni with the Rockets, but like I said, I've watched him play in the preseason, and if Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson are healthy, I mean, they're not going to play much defense as a team, but, man, they're going to score a million points. Um, your old guy, Dave Yeager, going to Sacramento, I think could give that franchise some stability finally. Uh, yeah, I mean – it, there were a lot of good coaching hires this summer. There weren't there weren't many that I kind of looked at and said, "Man, this this doesn't really make a lot of sense." I guess the one the one that I didn't really get was the Pacers letting Vogel go in the first place. 
it's not really a knock on, on Nate McMillan. I think he's a fine coach. He's had pretty good success in the past. But, um, you know, I guess if I had to point to one to say it didn't really make a lot of sense to me, it was why Larry Bird decided he had to go in another direction there. But, you know, he didn't hire Frank, and he's had, I think, a five- or six-year run there. So it might have just been time to change things up. But, you know, I, I think – I think overall it was a it was a pretty good summer for um, for coaching hires and you know we'll see we'll see how all those guys do but you know largely I think think it went pretty well. Last thing, safe to say, Minnesota's your league pass team. Um, I mean, yeah, I think they're going to be fun. Uh, I think they're going to be fun to watch. Um, but it it, it might be Houston like. <laughs> Houston, I think Houston might score 120 points a game. I, I mean, I... they're just—they're not going to play any defense, and they're just going to shoot all the time. So, you know, if you like high-scoring games, you know, you'll like watching Rocket games because there's just going to be running back and forth and and firing up shots. But, but yeah, I also—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm all in on Minnesota. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. So you can't go wrong either way there. Tim Bontemps from the Washington Post. You are the man. You can follow Tim on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. You can read all of his stories there. Tim, thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on. Bruno, happy to do it, man. And happy you're happy you're doing well here at the Ringer. I think it was a great move, and I'm I'm uh, excited to keep listening. So thanks for having me, buddy. My man. Finally, basketball season. Where are you watching the games? Across the old sports bar? Are you on your friend's couch? You can do better. Remember, Sling TV. You can watch NBA games on your terms and your turf. The Sling Orange service has hoops on ESPN and TNT, plus more live TV on top networks, all for 20 bucks a month. No long-term contracts, no hidden fees. Start watching for seven days free at sling.com backslash ringer NBA. Sling.com backslash ringer NBA. Restrictions apply.